Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, good morning again. We've been working through a a series of messages dealing with faith. And what I would like to do today is look at how God wants us to respond um, to issues of of challenge in in our emotional health. Now, um, if we don't have a faith that works, then what good is it? And when we come up against hardships or struggles or challenges in our lives, what we need to have is is a a belief system, a a faith that when, when a challenge occurs, we are able to respond to it and not just be crushed or, or beat down by it. And using COVID, because that's such an obvious one for us, you know, there, there are a lot of people worldwide whose lives have been turned upside down because of it. There have been um, economic repercussions, and, and certainly uh, there are people who have been cut off and isolated from their loved ones because of it. And, and you know, there, there's, there's so many different issues that have come out of it. An example, I I read just this past week that the murder rate in the United States in 2020 rose by 10%. And so far this year, it is running even ahead of that rate from last year. And it is primarily because people are stressed out. They They are under a lot of pressure. So today, what I want us to do is to look at a faith that that has an influence on our emotional health. And, uh, you know, when when we look to the Bible, there are all kinds of promises and all kinds of of resources available. But here's the thing with faith, just knowing it doesn't mean anything. If you don't apply it, then it doesn't matter. And so when we come up against difficulties, when we come up against challenges, struggles, you know, crises, I I, want to avoid using that word because I think it's overused. Everything is a crisis. I I got a hangnail and that was a crisis, you know. Um, but, But at the same time, what we we need to be able to do is look at what the Bible offers us and then apply it to our lives. So we're all in different situations. All of us um, respond to to trouble in our life in different ways. We have different um, different resources and different uh, different amounts of gas in the tank, so to speak. So that when when something comes along and challenges us, uh, some of us are are feeling strong and we're able to deal with it, and some of us are like, oh, I, I haven't got 
I haven't got what it takes to deal with this. And so we're all in different situations. And certainly if your tank is, is already half empty before a, a trial, before a, a situation comes along, it doesn't take much before you're running on empty. And, and the truth is, some of you here today are running on empty. And, and I, I get that. I, I've been there. I, I understand. And so if you're already drained, it makes it really hard to deal effectively with a, a problem, with a trial that comes on in, in your life. And this is the thing. If you are not spiritually healthy, then you cannot be emotionally healthy. The two go hand in hand because what we need to, to be reminded of is as human beings, we are a system. We're not isolated but we are all one part. Again, if you get a hangnail, you think, well, that's no big deal, but it affects your whole body, depending on how bad the hangnail is or if you get salt in it or something like that. Um, but, but the reality is, is we, we are all one system. And so you can't be an, an emotional wreck and be spiritually sound. It, it doesn't work that way. So regardless of how much spiritual or, or um, emotional and spiritual strength you may feel you have, we understand that when we, when we come up against a challenge in our life, when we come up against a hardship, when we, when we have a crisis in our life, you're going to be drained. You're going to be beaten down. You're going to come up, you know, it's going to be a challenge for you. So what I'm wanting to accomplish this morning is I'm wanting to give you some, some guidelines, some helps so that when you're dealing with the, the stuff of life, you have some, some help that if you will do it, if you will apply it, it will make you an emotionally stronger person. It will make you a spiritually stronger person. So, so that's kind of the, the goal here. Now, in Romans chapter 12, using the message paraphrase, it says, don't burn out. Now, you got to love that. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. And, and that's kind of the goal, isn't it? Not to burn out, because obviously when we're burned out, that means that we are, we're depleted, that, that we were used up. And so we don't want to burn out. We want to keep stoking the emotional fire. We want to keep stoking the spiritual fire so that we are vigorous in, in our approach to life. So I want to give you some guidelines here. Now, the very first one is to show grace to yourself and to others. In other words, treat everybody and yourself the way God treats you. And how does God treat us? He shows us mercy. He shows us forgiveness. He cuts us slack. James 4, 6 says, God gives grace generously. 
As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God loves to give grace. He, he loves to, but he opposed the prideful. He opposes the arrogant because they think they can do it all themselves. They don't think they need God. You know, when we're humble, when we admit that we don't have it all figured out, that we can't, you know, that, that we need some help and some support, God says, I'm more than happy to help you. I'm more than happy to support you. But if you think you're John Wayne and you think I can do it all myself, I'm a tough, rough guy, you know, then, then God says, I have no use for you. And I'm not, I only, not only don't have any use for you, but I oppose you. Here's the image I want to stick in your mind for the rest of your life. John Wayne is anti-God, all right? <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. I had to. Now, the idea is if you're, if you are proud, if you are self-sufficient, if you're like, I don't need nobody. I don't need nothing. I got this. God says, I can't help you. I, I'm not going to help you. In fact, I'm going to oppose you. But if you'll come and you'll say, God, I'm, I'm in a desperate shape. And see, this is what we need to understand is that as Americans, we value being self-dependent self and self-reliant and all of that. And, and boy, that, that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's the American thing, but it's not the Christian thing. And we have to understand that. That when, when we get into trials and difficulties, we have to be able to come to God and say, God, I'm a mess and I need help. Please help me. So God wants to give grace. And when we receive the grace that God offers, we need to also extend that grace to other people. Everybody is going through a tough time. Or if they're not going through a tough time, they're about to. Because that's the way life is. All of us are going through tough times. And so cut some slack. Don't be so judgmental. Don't be so harsh. You know, the, the poor clerk at the grocery store didn't miss, you know, mess up on purpose. You just cut people slack. Be gentle, be kind, be loving, because isn't that the way you want to be treated? And if you want to be treated that way, treat other people the same way. Now, the second principle is start and end each day by refueling your soul. Now, your soul, your mind, your, your will, your ability to make choices, you know, who you are on the inside, that needs to be refueled. Just like you eat and drink because your body needs nourishment and needs fluid, your soul needs nourishment. And so when you 
when you wake up, first thing to start your day, before you launch into anything else, before you pick up your phone and begin scrolling through Facebook or, or whatever you, you do first thing in the day, go to God. Open up or, or have the Bible already open to where you're going to be. You know, maybe you're reading in Psalms or Proverbs or something like that. And the very first thing, maybe sit up on the edge of the bed and just read a little bit from the Bible and allow your spirit to begin to be refreshed. Just like when you first wake up in the morning, I don't know about you, but I wake up and I'm like, <sighs> I, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty. And so I go and I get a drink of water. Well, do that for your soul. And then at the end of your day, do the same thing. Now, the reason is, is that, again, your body, your, your spirit needs nourishment. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. James 1, 21 and 22 says, get rid of all immoral behavior and all the wicked th um, things that you do. Humbly accept the word that God has placed in you. <clears throat> this word can save you. Do what God's word says. Don't merely listen to it or you will fool yourself. Now, if the Bible can save your soul, it can also nourish your soul. It can re restore your soul. It can recharge your soul. It can refuel your soul. So I, I recommend to you that you begin and end your day by just simply spending a, a few moments reading from the Word of God to kind of start you on the right path, to, to get your mind going in the right direction. You know, um, Psalm 92.2 says, Every morning tell him, thank you for your kindness. That's tell God. And every evening rejoice in all of his faithfulness. You hear that? Morning and evening. And what you're doing is you're training yourself to just be in this attitude of worship, in this attitude of refreshment. Isaiah 50, 40 says, God has given me his word that sustains the weary. And then he finishes that verse. He says, he wakes me morning by morning and teaches me his word. A steady diet of God's word start and end each day. Now, the third one, and, and this, is, this is just something that's practical, but it's biblical. Design a routine and stick to it. Because when you are emotionally beaten down, it's real easy to kind of just become sloppy, to become loosey-goosey, and just kind of to quit caring. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, carefully consider how you live. Make a routine and stick to it. Because when you are 
struggling, when you are emotionally worn down, when you're emotionally beat, that routine keeps structure in your life. And if you don't have that structure, then everything goes to pot. You know, the, the old um, stereotype is that when someone gets upset, what do they do? They get a gallon of ice cream and they sit down with a gallon of ice cream and a spoon in front of the TV and they just sit there and shovel it in. You know, that, that's a bad decision, you know, it, because what you're doing is you are giving in to a sloppy, loosey-goosey approach. You know, you don't want to slide into, into that oblivion. You know, another thing people do is they'll, they'll stay up too late. It's like, ah, who cares? I'm just going to stay up looking at Facebook until two in the morning. And then when the alarm goes off the next morning, it's like, uh, and then you're late to work. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's a domino effect. Boundaries, structure keeps your life pointed in the right direction. And it's important, you know, it's important for children and it's important for adults. So, you know, set and stick to a routine, especially when everything is unpredictable. Now, the fourth one, I'm, I'm going to go from preaching to meddling here. The fourth one, and this is really an important one. Are you ready? Turn off the stupid television, the cell phone, and the social media stuff. Turn it off. Stop watching so much garbage because there's nothing good about it. You know, um, you know if you are struggling emotionally, the worst thing you can do is sit there and watch the news. The worst thing you can do is sit there and watch the garbage that's on television. The worst thing you can do is watch all of the fake stuff that's going on in people's lives because no one's on Facebook is telling the truth anyhow. You know, it, 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 honestly, you know, we're all perfect on Facebook. It, it, it's so easy. This is kind of like overeating when you're emotionally stressed. When you allow your mind to just go into numb mode and you just sit there and take all of this stuff in, what you're doing is filling your mind with the garbage of the world. And there's nothing healthy about that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, wherever your treasure is, there your, the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Here's the point. What you focus on is what you become. When you focus on the sickness and the smut of this world, you cannot help but be contaminated by it. You know, it's so obvious to us, and yet we do it. 
We think that somehow it's not going to affect us. And it, it, it does affect us. You know, we, we are being influenced greater by the world than we are by Christ. And so if, you, if you're looking at the world and you're consuming all of the stuff that the world is throwing out there, you can't help but become more and more depressed. So instead, and instead of sitting in front of a screen, how about turning it off and then maybe begin developing habits or developing hobbies that are productive, that are, that are, are, are good. Uh, you know, what could you change or improve about your life that because you're spending less time sitting in front of a screen? Okay. Number five, I told you I was going to meddle. Number five, for your emotional health, schedule daily connection with people that you love. Did you know that one of the ways that you can refill your spiritual tank, your emotional tank, is by being around or being connected with the people that you love and you care about. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and again, from the message paraphrase, it says, speak encouraging words to each other. Now, that's what you want to do when you connect with your loved ones. Speak encouraging words not discouraging word. Because here's the thing. What is normal for us is you're going to maybe see a, a loved one or call up a loved one. You know, I've got a brother, you know, our brothers that live all over the place. So if I were to call one of them up, it's going to be natural to talk about what? The politics, what's going on in the news, what's going on around the world. But you know what? I'm not watching the news anymore, so I don't have anything to talk about there. Instead, I can talk about them and say, hey, what's going on in your life? How are you doing? How's, how's things with your family? How, you know, how, how's it going in your world? And I can be in, an encouragement to them. I can be a support to them. That's the idea that instead of allowing yourself of being pulled and dragged or voluntarily running into conversations that are negative and discouraging, instead, build up hope in one another. Build up, uh, you know, be supportive, be godly. Use Use your phone if, if they don't live close by. You know, I, I, again, I've got a sister that lives a long way away. You know, give them a phone call, write them a letter, send them a card. If possible, visit in, in person. But, you know, consider being a, a, a support in, in these people's lives instead of being negative and, and just talking about how bad everything is. Now, the sixth thing, and, and this is also an important one. This is one that, that I, I struggle with. Share your feelings instead of stuffing them down. You know, and I'm talking about negative feelings, things like anxiety, fear, or anger, frustration, you know, that kind of stuff. Feelings are meant to be felt. Feelings are kind of like the thermometer that you have that tells you the temperature. What the feelings are there for is to tell you this is what's going on. 
Now, we are made in God's image. And what that means is that just as we have feelings, God has feelings. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that, you know, the Bible says that God experiences anger. He experiences jealousy, experiences frustration, he experiences patience, he experiences sadness. You know, God experiences the same range of emotions that you and I do. But we don't stuff them down because when you stuff down your emotions, your body keeps score. Your body says, huh, you're going to do that to me? Fine, I'm going to do it back. Have you ever, because you're stressed, had a stress headache? Have you ever had a neck ache or a back ache because of stress? I see people out there going, Ugh. you know, that our body says, if you're going to stuff your stress down, if you're going to stuff your emotions down, it's going to come out one way or another. And so we need to understand that when we experience emotions, we talk about them. We don't push them down. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's troubles and problems. And, and then what that means is that we talk about what we're feeling. You know, we have small groups. We have life groups here at Park Baptist Church. And that's the very purpose of these groups is that you do life together. You walk the Christian life together. You support each other. You go to the group and, and the group says, hey, how's it going? And you say, well, I'm doing pretty well, except I'm dealing with this area here. And so people say, hey, you know what? I've dealt with that and this is how I dealt with it. And, and you pray for each other and you support each other and you encourage each other. And, and that's the point. That's why we do it. And that's what we're supposed to do. Now, James 5.16 says, confess your faults to one another. Notice that. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Notice that, that that's how you find healing. Would you like to be a healthier person spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally? The way you do that is being honest about what's going on in your life. You know, I, I was joking with the, the folks in the first service. Um, the way we do church now is we come to church and people say, how are you doing? And you go, I'm fine. Everything's going great with me. Life, life is good. Good. How are you doing? And they say, I'm fine too. We're doing good. And it's all a lie. It's all fake. It's hypocrisy. And that is wrong behavior. That's, it's lying. We're lying to each other and we're lying to ourselves. The only person that we can't lie to on this is God. And God's saying up there, hey, remember, I give grace to the humble, but I oppose the proud. You're being proud right now because you're not being honest. You're, you're faking it. And Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrites. So we don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be honest. Now, number seven, 
before you make big decisions, get some advice from somebody. Don't, don't make big decisions. If you're going through an emotional, difficult time, don't make that decision on your own. Even when folks are grieving the loss of a loved one, one of the first things they say is, don't make major decisions for at least a year after you have had a loved one pass away because your brain doesn't function correctly when you are under stress. When a person is, is emotionally stressed, when they are, are going through a difficult time, your brain partially shuts down. And so what happens is you make dumb decisions. And obviously, we don't want to make dumb decisions. Proverbs 15.22 says, without good advice, everything goes wrong. It takes careful planning for things to go right. So when you're fearful, when you're upset, when you're stressed, when you're dealing with all of that stuff, be sure you're talking to other people saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And then listen to their advice and, and, and follow it. Proverbs eleven fourteen says there is safety in seeking multiple counsel. Now, number eight, have renewal breaks throughout the day. And by that, I mean, just as you're going about your business doing life, take little five-minute breaks here and there. I know that, um, you know, the official is you get a 15-minute break in the morning and the afternoon and all of that. But just as you're going along, get up, walk around a little bit for, for just a few minutes and focus on God. Just, just stop your day and, you know, maybe you don't even have to leave your workstation if, if you have that type of job, but just stop and just say, God, I, I just want to acknowledge that I know you're a part of my life. I know that you're, you're here with me even now. And I just, I pray for your guidance. I thank you for your love. And, and you just make contact with God. And you do this periodically throughout the day because that keeps you connected. Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Um, you know, and, and so this is a way of just staying open to God's guidance and direction. This is what happens, though. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. And this is a scripture we've, we've all heard before. Even young people become exhausted and give up too soon. But those who wait on the Lord or wait, another word for wait is trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And that's refilling your tank. That's recharging your battery. They will renew their strength. They will soar like eagles. They'll keep running and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow weak. That's being an emotionally healthy person. That's being spiritually healthy. And it comes from staying connected to God. Another great promise, Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you continually watering your life when you are dry. Would you like to be watered emotionally and spiritually? Would you, would you like to be refreshed emotionally and spiritually? Then stay plugged in to God. All right, number nine. I'm hurrying. I know we're running out of time here. If you want to be emotionally healthy, serve someone who is suffering perhaps more than you are. 
It's no secret. I, I think I have told you all more than once, I deal with depression. It's something that is a very big part of my life. And so knowing that, I can say this. Depression is perhaps the most selfish mental illness there is. Because when a person is depressed, all they think about is themselves. They are completely inward focused. So when a person is emotionally unhealthy, what they have to do, and again, we're talking about faith here, and faith is stepping out and doing something that doesn't make sense, maybe doesn't feel good, but it's what the Bible says to do. And so when a person who is emotionally beaten up, when the person is in stress and in anxiety, the tendency is to turn inward, to look to self, to say, I just need to take care of me right now. But what the Bible says is look outward and serve somebody else. Minister to somebody who is hurting. James 1.27 says, The Christian who is pure and without fault from God the, Father point, God the Father's point of view is the one who takes care of orphans and widows and who remains true to the Lord, not soiled and dirtied by his contacts with the world. What he's talking about here is public, uh, public charity, if you will, and personal purity. You know, take your eyes off of yourself and look to the needs of other people. If you want to be refreshed, start refreshing someone else. That, that is biblical, strong advice. That, and, and again, it is a step of faith because, again, from my own personal view, it's not something you want to do. What you want to do is pull the covers over your head and make the world go away. But what you have to do is step out and say, I am going to, I am going to be love and grace in someone else's life today. Now, number 10, control what is controllable and trust God for the rest. You know, um, this, this is so important that we need to understand there are some things in our life that we have absolutely no control over. We don't control what's happening in Washington, D.C., do we? Uh, we can vote every four years or, or so, but that's about it. We don't have a whole lot of say. So quit worrying about it. Quit stressing over it. Quit watching it on the news because it's not going to change a silly, blessed thing. But we do have things that we do have control over. We have a lot of control over what we eat, when we go to bed, how we choose to respond to issues. Every every crisis, every concern, every issue that comes into your life, you have a choice in how you respond to it. 
So we control all of those things. So that's what we focus on. And the stuff that we don't have control over, that's in God's concern. And we'll pray about it and we'll give it to God. And that's where we'll leave it. Just understand that. Now, we, we, have, we have an option here. Everything that's happening in your life, you have a choice in how you're going to respond. Faith is stepping out and doing what you know is right, doing what you know is obedient to God. And that's what we're called to do. You can be an emotionally healthier person by using these steps. And, and again, none of this stuff is earth-shatteringly um, new revelation, but the reality is we have to do it. Hearing it alone doesn't mean anything. Don't be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And here's the, the really good news. You don't do it by yourself. Jesus Christ gave you his Holy Spirit. When you turned your life over to him, his Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And as you submit your life to him, he will guide you and he will direct you and he will lead you. So what you do is you give, you give yourself to him. Now, if you've never turned your life over to Christ, that's where you have to begin. And so as, as we close this morning, what I want to do is I'm going to lead a prayer. Now, there is no magic prayer that invites God into your life. It is when you turn your life over to him. You don't have to pray a prayer to become a follower of Christ. You have to make the decision to become a follower of Christ. A prayer helps, but it doesn't do it. But I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to, to be, to turn your life over to Christ and allow Christ to become the Lord of your life, then commit your life to him. Let's pray. Again, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But even as I say that, understand that it's, it's not the words of a prayer that make you a Christian, it's the commitment of your heart. But if you would like to commit your life to Christ, I encourage you to, to pray something like this. Father, you know me, and you know me better than even I know myself. I would like you to take over in my life. I would like you to become the king of my life, the Lord of my life. My emotional tank is empty. And I am asking for you to fill it up. I've tried the world's way and it doesn't work. Please come into my life. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen.